Greetings, dear friends. Today, in the Alatra TV studio, we have the esteemed Igor Mikhailovich Danilov. Greetings. And Janna. Greetings. Igor Mikhailovich, it is very joyful that the subject of the Creative Society is gaining tremendous popularity all over the world. And building the Creative Society is more topical today than ever before. So our viewers who belong to different religions, Islam, Christianity, as well as Oriental religions, raised a very interesting topic that the idea of the Creative Society absolutely corresponds to what the true prophets and Jesus Christ spoke about. After all, they all brought into this world the true knowledge and eternal values. They called for love, love for God, love for one's neighbor. They advocated peace and equality throughout the world and taught how a human should live both in the spiritual and social aspects. And not only a human, but all of humankind. Yes. The point is that the truth is one, and all the prophets said the same thing. They could not say different things. It's just that prophets came to different nations at different times. Therefore, it was slightly different because of the times and because of the nations. But in essence, it's all one and the same thing. And they talked precisely about that universal truth, which is common for all, for the whole humankind. That's why everything is the same. Our viewers also note that, indeed, prophets were talking about the ideal society, about the creative society, about that ideal of relationships that our common human family should come to. That we should have come to a long time ago. And they noted this too. We may say that today's conversation was initiated by people themselves, who actually asked themselves this question. After all, when this knowledge about the ideal society, about the creative society was brought back then, yet why does this society still not exist? And still, what is to blame? It is very important to understand what mistakes were made in the past, so as not to make them in the present. The mistake was just one. is the transformation of the true knowledge into the consumerist format of various organizations. Who did that? Well, it was actually us, friends, who did it all. Unfortunately, we continued to do and support it all. Whose fault is it that prophets came and brought the truth? Yet, we live in the consumerist format. Who is to blame? All of us, friends, are to blame. This is our world. We live here, and we are responsible for it. Therefore, there is no one to blame. Neither priests, nor politicians, no one is to blame. Because they are the same human beings as we are. So all of us, every one of us, are those very converters of truth into consumerist Satanism. And this is really so. Do you know what is funny? That at all times, prophets knew that Upon bringing this truth, it would be distorted. This is actually so, isn't it? Yes. They all talked about the end time and the last chance for the whole humanity. I mean, the true prophets. By the way, this is also interesting, Ingrid Mikhailovich. Because while preparing for today's conversation, I've raised the topic of what the prophets said about the end times. And what is really surprising is that they understood that the truth would be distorted anyway. Of course. But they still continued to bring it into the world. May I read out a nuance? You may, of course. While you are looking for it, I will explain that the prophets came at all times. They brought this knowledge, knowing that everything would be distorted and would be usurped 
by a small group of people to please personal ambitions, selfishness, pridefulness and trivial human greed. But nevertheless, they brought it. Why? Because being the prophets, being the messengers of the Lord God Himself, they understood perfectly well that even those converters of Truth would still leave those grains of Truth which they brought. And those grains will still be like balm for the wounds of those who seek God. They will anyway be the guiding stars in the skies of a wayfarer who has started going to God. Why? Because without those grains it's impossible to build an organization that people would follow for centuries. So, those grains still remained, and the Prophets came precisely for the sake of these grains, for those who truly love God, for those who truly long for Him. Of course they felt sad, because they knew that everything they said would be distorted by the humankind. But it is also joyful that they knew that there would be a renewal of knowledge. Of course. And it means there was someone for the sake of whom to come if they came. Surely. So there is a chance. For the sake of people, for the sake of all humanity. Otherwise, we wouldn't have existed long ago. Just look at how humanity degrades. If we look, it was precisely in the run-up to the advent of the great prophets that humanity always slipped to the verge. There were always the most acute moments when both moral crisis and totally in the world both moral ones and everything yes there was a very significant decline the decline of the human essence as well as domination of the beast that's why they came even by their appearance they stopped or restrained these processes yes therefore they sacrificed themselves for humanity what is meant by sacrificed well, a lot of people just… Let me explain a little bit. Many of our viewers will not understand what it means to come here from the world of God. I don't have such an association to which we could compare so that it would correspond. Well, let's say it's far beyond our understanding. Imagine, you're living happily, you're young and healthy, Everything is fine and wonderful, you're in a wonderful world, and you have to go where there is pain, suffering, literally to descend to hell, to save at least someone. So, the Prophets came exactly for the sake of those who could be saved, although they talked about how the entire humanity could be saved. But we people actually did not listen to them. That's the trouble. It shows that shaitan is too strong in all of us, shaitan in everyone, and it's true. So, if we go back to what Jesus said when living and what the Prophet said, when living, Jesus said, and I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of Truth, the Comforter, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. He will come and denounce the world about sin and truth and about judgment. What the Prophet said, we find in the Hadith, there will come a time for my people when there will remain nothing of the Qur'an except its outward form and nothing of Islam except its name. The mosques will be full of people, but they will be empty of right guidance. 
The religious leaders, Fukaha, of that day will be the most evil religious leaders under the heavens. Sedition and dissension will go out from them and to them will it return. However, before the last hour, Imam Mahdi will come. Mahdi comes to re-establish the lost sense of sanctity. Firstly, he will re-establish Islam to its original purity and integrity. The other religions, also abandoned and disfigured, will be equally re-established in their original truth and purity by Mahdi. Not by Mahdi, but by the power of Allah Himself. Mahdi is a messenger, and no one has power except Allah. Isn't that so? It is. Anyway, the entire purification has to be done by people themselves. Everything depends on them. As for what the greatest one among people said, this indicates that he was the real, he was the true and last prophet. He knew, he knew what would happen. And imagine, my friends, how hard it was for him. It is hard. It is really hard to even imagine this for a human. He felt and knew. He knew all these human lies. He knew about all the shaitan's temptations. And he knew how destructive it was. And he knew what would happen to the Qur'an. He gave his life for the sake of conveying the Qur'an to people, didn't he? And he knew, he really knew, that those who would call themselves Muslims and praise his name, they would lie, because in reality they would serve their shaitan, but not Allah. They would mention his name, perform rituals, but would not be Muslims at that. Imagine how hard it was for him. I'll tell you as follows. Imagine that all your life you saw, for example, wheat in a stony field, knowing for sure that only individual ears will sprout. Yet you work from morning to night, dragging stones and watering the entire field in the hope that at least one grain will sprout somewhere, at least in some place. But he was the greatest prophet and knew the truth. You know, to be honest, it is hard to talk about this. But since you have raised this topic, let us also speak of how weak we actually are not because the devil is strong, no, because we are weak, because we have exchanged love for an illusion. This is true. We, we as people, we betray our prophets. Why? Because we do not listen to them. We have forgotten what they said. We start listening to those who are convenient for us, the same people as we are, because they speak what and about what is acceptable for us, what echoes in us. However, it is not God's love and not the soul that echoes, but it is shaitan who echoes in us, that excites us and we like it. And we listen to people who talk on behalf of our prophets, 
although they don't have any right for that. They try to interpret His words, distorting the essence and the truth. They substitute concepts, while we listen to them. We listen to them, and we create this. Some people will certainly say that these are bad priests, they are not good people. No, friends, they are the same as us. And we create them, we listen to them. They keep talking, and talking already for hundreds of years, only because we listen to them. Am I not right? I mean those who distort the truth for their own benefit. Yet I will ask a simple question, who is higher? Just really, answer to yourselves, who is higher, the Prophet, the Messenger of Allah Himself, or a person who became so prideful in his shaitan that he positions himself almost as equal, equal compared to the greatest among people, the best among people, the Prophet Himself. Is that right? And it is like this everywhere, in all religions, unfortunately, but this is true. Yet, on the other hand, religion is an organization, and the organization must take care of itself. It is very shocking to observe when to justify their vile deeds, to justify wars, to justify various crises in society and conflicts, people search in the Holy Scriptures for sort of a religious alibi for their dirty actions. Deeds. Yes, and they find some manipulations of the Holy Scriptures. And they certainly find them. Because the Holy Scriptures, I'll say it once again, the Holy Scriptures were written by people, written by people just like them, like those who are looking for an excuse for their worthlessness and inhumanity. Why? Because the same people who wrote and inserted distortions and this very filth there, the filth not from a human, but from the beast, the worst part of a human, they inserted this to merely justify their inhumane attitude towards other people. Isn't that so? But are they to blame? They are merely humans. Responsibility. And they are merely the same as we are. They simply did not love God, and they did not follow the Prophet's words those people who distorted it all, and those who twisted it to please themselves, those who made of the true knowledge just a tool, a tool of control over people, a tool for enrichment and satisfaction of their own selfishness and pridefulness. And we listen to this and keep silent. After all, it is us who allowed that. Isn't that so? Look how many blunt contradictions there are to what the Prophet said, and we allow that. Why? Because those who wrote the Holy Scriptures say that it is from God. From God, my friends, is only what the Prophet said. Or am I wrong? Did the Prophet write a single word? And how many times were the Holy Scriptures, I emphasize, which had been written by humans, how many times were the Scriptures edited and altered, amended and interpreted by humans? Did they actually write them for people? Did they write them for the same purpose for which the Prophets gave us the truth? No. 
not for that purpose. They wrote them in order for an organization to exist, and afterwards they themselves divided these organizations. We, ourselves, divided them, while they, as humans, merely wanted, wanted soft pillows, a warm bath, so that we exalt them and look upon them with admiration, like upon the Prophet himself, because they did it by simply assuming that people are stupid and don't understand anything. Yet are we actually wise? No, we are stupid. After all, each of us understands and knows this up to the present day. However, how unfaithful we are to our Prophets if we allow this to happen. Am I wrong? If I am wrong, then the world doesn't have a chance. Isn't that so? Well, yes. If the truth is wrong, then… We as humanity have come somewhere in the wrong place. Yes. We haven't come anywhere, anywhere at all. Yet we as humanity must come to something far greater than we can even imagine. This is what the Prophets talked about. They talked about a wonderful world. They talked about love and brotherhood. Isn't that so? Yes. Which of the Prophets bequeathed power to exist? Which of the Prophets said that one person would rule over you and you would obey him? Name such Prophets and such words for me. There was no such thing. For in the spiritual world all are equal, and this world must be like the spiritual world, if we are spiritual, and if we love God. In love there is no power, in love there is equality, in love there is… in love there is love, my friends. And this is true. This is what warms you from within. How can you have power over someone you love? No way you can, you can only love. While the power is from shaitan, while the devil, yes, that one has a hierarchy. So why have we built a hierarchy of power on the words of the Prophets, on the greatest truth? Why? A simple question. Yes, because we do not love God, and because we are afraid of Satan, that's the problem. However, we consider ourselves to be religious people, that is, people devoted to God. We think we are, but in fact, we are traitors to God and slaves to Satan. For none of the Prophets said that you are God's slaves. Isn't that so? Jesus said that, if you keep my commandments, I no longer call you slaves, because you are already friends. And what was meant by that? A person can only be a slave to Satan, but he will be a friend to the Son of God, a friend to God, when he loves God and is with Him. Is there a difference? Yet why do we read something different afterwards? Why do we listen to something different from the priests? Who is speaking with their mouths? 
If we continue about Jesus Christ, in fact, He did talk about this love, and when He was asked which of the commandments was the greatest, He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And? And the second is, you ought to love your neighbor as yourself. That's right. It is remarkable that they asked Jesus to name one commandment, but He names two because for Him, love for neighbor and love for God are such inseparable… It's one and the same thing. Let me explain. If a human really loves God with all his heart and serves God, and he does not serve Satan, then he is already part of the spiritual world. And how can we not love him or love him less than God if he is part of him? If we love someone, we love him. We love him as he is. Can we? love a human and not love his left hand? A simple question. No, we love him entirely. It's the same in this case. Even love your enemies. And how can you not love your enemy if he is a human being? After all, it is shaitan who divides us and makes us enemies. Yet each of us has a soul, and the soul in each of us is part of the spiritual world. Yes, because… Isn't that so? It is. I would also like to add that in Zoroastrianism, one of the oldest religions, wickedness and immorality were denounced too. And the most important thing was to love all living beings. Meaning, if this commandment, the law of love for all living beings, was violated, then the most severe punishment awaited such a person. Yes, so nowadays we observe that the consumerist world is divided into friend or foe. And both in Zoroastrianism and in Christianity exactly, Jesus Christ Himself taught that there should be no concept of friend or foe. Not of course not. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And that's it. And everyone thinks, what is new about this? Because earlier in the Old Testament, Love for one's neighbor meant love for a fellow tribesman, for someone who is of the same religious affiliation with you. While here it is the call to love everyone. Yes, all people, indeed. Because all people are one big family. This is true. And when we are divided, divided in Christianity, for example, divided in Islam as well as in other religions, in one religion we are divided. Tell me, my friends, if we Never mind. Let's take Christianity. We love Jesus Christ. We consider Him to be the Son of God. And we pray to Him. Or do we pray to high priests who put themselves between Jesus Christ and us? Whom do we pray to? And whom do we serve? The conference was held. Creative society, yes. united we can. And one picture was shown there. I remember it. I think we'll show it now. So, friends, as you have seen for yourselves, and by the title, did He come here for this? Did Jesus Christ come here so that people would turn away from Him and turn away from one another, but sit in beautiful clothes on golden thrones and rule over you, rule over you. Who has power over people? A simple question. 
who actually has power in this world. What did that very Jesus Christ say about it? Or when do the Holy Scriptures mention power? So Jesus said, you know that the rulers of nations have absolute power over people, and their officials have absolute authority over people. But that's not the way it's going to be among you. All this is correct. Nobody should be higher or lower. Among people, everyone should be equal. There shouldn't be power among people, because only Satan has power in this world. Remember that. And do not strive to rule, for your aspiration for power is a voluntary obedience to Satan. Do you want to be Satan's slave? Do you want to? Then strive for power over other people. You will get power, but will give life for that. Is it worth that? Think of it, my friends. And these are not jokes. After all, it was said that human mission is in freedom. We are called for freedom, brothers, stand in freedom that Christ gave you. Yet what is freedom given by Jesus Christ Himself? It is life, it is love. For life and love is one and the same thing. Life cannot be without love, but love cannot be without life either. This is true. Generally speaking, what was Christ's standpoint itself? That He avoided power and turned away from it. Right. And never, never, none of the prophets would have ever assumed the burden of power. Why? Because, I'll explain, in this world there is one prince, and his name is the devil. And power, what we call power, belongs to him. So when we strive for power over each other, when we build a hierarchy, then we are guided precisely by His will and not by the will of God. Yet what did the prophets say? Love each other, and nobody shall be higher or lower. Isn't that so? They told the simple truth, which was clear to everyone. And it was simple. It was really simple, but it was wonderful, because it's the simplest and the most direct way to life. But the devil enjoys complicating everything. After all, indeed, this hierarchy didn't exist and… And it cannot exist. Neither in the times of Jesus' disciples, nor in the times of Muhammad. Let's begin with the fact that even in the times of Jesus' disciples and during His lifetime, some people still fought for being closer to Him. Those were the ones who did not listen to His words, but the ones who actually couldn't get rid of their demons in the head, of the power of their shaitan. Yet, they were next to Jesus Christ, not because they felt love, they simply saw how people loved Him, but they didn't understand, and they thought that He was simply a person who spoke well, so if they learned to speak like this, and if they did this way, they would also be loved like that. They were just shallow people, but filled with demonic hate towards everything. And even among those who were called apostles and close friends, 
those were merely people, people who were next to Jesus Christ Himself. Therefore, we should think of our weakness and eradicate it in ourselves, because even those who were near still betrayed. I will ask a simple question. Judas, who betrayed, is he an apostle? Or not? Well… But he was a close friend. He kissed Jesus Himself, in fact. Here's the answer for you. Human weakness. Yet didn't Jesus know who would betray Him, who would later exploit His name, and who would bring big discord? He knew. He knew everything. But He went for that. He agreed to sacrifice and He went for everything. He did that for us, for the sake of our future. However, what did we then do to His teaching? Instead of love, we brought blood and sufferings. We robbed poor people on His behalf. Isn't that so? It is. But at the same time, those grains of the Truth gave life, eternal life to very many people. And for the sake of those few, Jesus suffered. I've just recalled a scene, such a very brutal scene in a Gospel, about a married couple, husband Ananias and his wife Sapphira. Perhaps this scene is so cruel, because people say, how can such a thing happen? It's a totally shocking unexpectedness that in the Gospel God takes away life. Never because it totally contradicts what is actually said about God in the Gospel, in the New Testament. And here we observe that the married couple who sold their property and brought a part of that money to the feet of the Apostles are deprived of life because they concealed the cost of what they had sold. They supposedly lied to the Holy Spirit, and that God punishes the married couple this way… By killing them. By killing them. For their property which they had sold but didn't give all the money to those who called themselves apostles. To the feet of apostles, yes. Did they really bring it to the feet of apostles? Did they bring the money for the sold property to the feet of the true followers of Jesus Christ? A simple question. Whom did they bring it to? To Peter. To the followers of whom? Of Jesus Christ. After all, nowhere it is said that Christ actually mentioned that… Next to Jesus Christ, there were those who loved Him, and those who betrayed Him, and also those who exploited His name. Isn't that so? A simple question. Has God killed anybody? No. God gives life and gives a chance, while it's the devil who kills. To be honest, even the devil doesn't kill anyone. It's us who kill ourselves. We choose to live or to die. We are the only ones who are entitled to decide. No one else is. That's true. While this example precisely shows the essence of transformation of the Truth into a consumerist format, tell me, would a true follower of Jesus Christ, the one who loved Him, and the one who imbibed his words, do such thing? No. 
Well, this is a classical example of greedy people, really greedy for someone else's property, who believe that everyone owes them because they have appointed themselves mediators. Pardon me, this is ordinary simony, likening to the Lord God Himself. With an exorbitant, shaitanic greediness, this greediness is so strong in them that they included this in the Holy Scripture only for people to understand that everyone must sell everything and bring all their property to priests, put it to their feet, kiss their hands and feet, and plead with them for bringing people into heaven. Tell me, how can a person whom the devil controls, and it's the devil who rules greediness, or am I wrong? So, how can a greedy, shameless, inhuman individual, to put it mildly, even show a road towards heaven to anyone, if he himself has been sitting in hell for a long time? Is it possible? How can a dead one lead anyone to life? And you know what, yes, I understand, my words can hurt somebody, but I do not want to offend anyone by any means. No offense is meant to people's religious views or anything else. I'm just telling the truth. I'm telling the truth about the way we actually are, we people. And our entire trouble and our entire inhumanity is only due to the fact that we want to appear but not to be. We play religion, we play life, but we don't live. We say that we love God, but we remember Him only when it benefits us. Am I wrong? But do we love Him? No, we love money, we love ourselves. As a matter of fact, we hardly love anyone. Such is our world, and we should change something, if we want to, and we are able to. And one more thing, the scariest thing, the scariest thing is that we betray God always and everywhere. That's true. And there is no one more disgusting than a traitor. That's true. Do you love traitors? The enemy is the enemy. He is always far away, and there is something to love him for and something to learn from him, at least because he's an enemy, if he is worthy. Well, someone whom we consider a friend, who kisses us just in order to betray us, this is vile, it's very disgusting, it's nasty. And unfortunately, almost all of us are like that. We visit holy places and temples, we pledge allegiance to God, isn't that so? Let's take a simple example. Those people who now live, who have a great responsibility for all of humanity, they perform the Hajj, and even having visited the cave where the Prophet himself first heard the truth from Jabrail, they swore in that cave, they swore to Allah, they pledged allegiance to the Prophet. 
swore in their devotion and in their readiness to serve Him. However, when Allah, through His messengers, addressed them with a simple, simple, very simple mission, they forgot. They forgot what they were swearing about. So that's what we are, people. And those are the ones who considered themselves very, to be very God-loving and very devoted to the Prophet. A simple question. Will the Prophet reach out to them and recall their names before Allah? On the one hand, people seemed to care about what was momentary, about themselves. But did they actually care about themselves? No. Everything is very simple. When a person is in a holy place, especially when he performs the Hajj, it is forbidden to think about bad things there. They think about God, the places themselves, inspire them, and people stop being stones. They begin to feel, this feeling awakens in them the Truth, love and understanding, and they really, sincerely swear to Allah in their love, swear to the greatest of the Prophets in their devotion. But once they leave, return home, start their regular work, and shaitan takes power over them again, they forget that it is necessary to take the example, not from a human being, but their Prophet. One should act as the Prophet himself did. One should listen exclusively to the Prophet himself, but not to people who appointed themselves. After all, it's we people who supported them in this. A simple example. When the greatest of the Prophets went to bed every day. What did he ask Allah for? So that… Do you know? However, many Muslims don't know. Can you imagine? After all, he talked about this many times a day. And his last thoughts, when he was falling asleep, were these very thoughts. Do you know which ones? Tell me if you know. First, he asked for forgiveness of his sin. He asked to rid him of shaitans, to help him get rid of shaitan. To rid him of his shaitan and take him out from under his power, the power of shaitan. Well, isn't it so? And to bring him where? Into high society. That's right. And he asked Allah to bring him into high society. But what was meant by high society? It's the angelic world. This high society is the world of Allah, and it's not the high society that has been formed here by those who are far from high society and their prophets. The devil likes to distort and mirror everything, but he mirrors everything in black mirrors, the black mirrors of death and not life. That's the point. So it turns out that in every human there is this aspiration to become a part of high society and the spiritual world. The spiritual world. Yes, every soul longs for home. 
and every person from birth feels that there is the spiritual world. I will give a simple example. Every person, even if he is born blind, when he comes out from under the shadow into the sun, he feels the sun. Isn't that so? He feels it. But no matter what we tell him and explain what the sun looks like and what it is, if he is given sight, he will not recognize the sun, because he hasn't seen it. But if he closes his eyes, he will know where the sun is. That's the point. The eyes belong to shaitan, and everything shaitan shows us here is not always the truth, yet what we feel is always the truth. What people tell us is not always true, but what the Prophets tell us is always true. That's the point. Igor Mikhailovich, speaking without substituting concepts, is a high society on Earth possible? Yes. And we should strive for the whole of our humanity to be a high society on this planet, and this is possible. Isn't that what the Prophets wanted? A simple question. Isn't that what they called for, that we should love one another, that we should be equal? Was it not the creative society they were talking about? which should lead us to what? To the ideal society. Didn't they say that we should live here according to the laws of God's world, that we should live here in love, without hatred, in joy, without sorrow, in honesty, without lies? Do we live this way? And who is to blame? Shaitan. Shaitan only whispers in our heads, but it's us who do this. Shaitan has neither tongue nor hands. He can only whisper and do it only in our heads. So who is Shaitan, if not us? But on the other hand, who are the hands of that very Holy Spirit? If it's not us, not our hands, we can build and we can destroy and we decide who we should be and what the world should be like. Isn't that so, friends? In the Qur'an it is actually said that shaitan is powerless, that he only frightens or instills some hopes. Or, for example, he talks and intimidates people with poverty so that they do nasty things. Yet, what did even the Prophet himself say about poverty? He said, It is not poverty I fear for you, rather I fear you will be given the wealth of the world just as it was given to those before you. You will compete for it just as they competed for it. Of course. And it will ruin you just as it ruined them. So, precisely due to competition… Not poverty is fearful, it is in humanity and hatred that are fearful. Everything that is from shaitan, it's all fearful. If we support that, it is our choice. Yes, it has been imposed on us for a long time that this very model of behavior, this living according to principles, that the strongest one survives, that the most adapted one survives, no. that it's the driver of evolution. No, practice actually shows that even in the hardest, severest and disastrous situations, the most motivated ones survive, but not the physically strong, 
and the healthiest ones. No, those survive who have a sense to live. Those ones do survive. It's an internal motivation. The same is in our case, friends. If we have an internal motivation to really become those whom our prophets will tell God about that these are humans, if we want to be next to our prophets, indeed, but not next to shaitans or priests, well, if we really want to be next to our prophets, we will be there. We should just look with our inner eyes at ourselves, at what we do. And we should stop ourselves, we should restrain our shaitan inside, and in any case, keep our word given to our prophets and given to God Himself. The word which we give them. If we have said that we will be good, it means we should be good. Isn't that right? Yes, after all, not without a reason, in Zoroastrianism the main principle is adherence to good thoughts, good deeds and good words. That is, if you have a righteous life, you will be granted life in heaven after death, which precisely meant all the gifts of Ahura Mazda. Meaning, you get into that world, you are born in the world where God Himself lives. It was the highest thing a person can get during this lifetime. And what can be better? Yes, during this lifetime. Or you will choose service to Ariman and Devas and will burn in hell. For sure. And undergo self-torturing, eternal suffering. There is something to exchange between, you should agree. There is. Yes. It is also very valuable that it turns out that all the prophets spoke about this solidarity and friendliness of people. In particular, what did the Prophet Muhammad talk about? About the fact that there should be people's unity and outrun each other in good deeds. As a matter of fact, this matches quite well with what you said about the creative society. In Christianity, it is also said in fact that serve one another with gifts. So, it seems to me that this model of the creative society, in the best way possible, favors implementation of what the prophets said. What the prophets spoke about. Right. There is nothing new, and there cannot be, and there will never be, because the truth is one. It is one for everyone at all times. Well, shaitan has many illusions. Not without a reason, there exists this ancient proverb that by doing evil to another person, you do evil, first of all, to yourself. Of course. Whereas by doing good to another person, you… You do good to yourself, because the more good we do, the more good returns to us. And if we do evil to someone, evil will definitely return to us. That's a law. And you cannot get away from it anywhere. And it's impossible to do evil secretly, because shaitan knows everything. And God knows everything. Of course. So the prophets showed this example by their lives. And it is actually important for every person to be this example for one another. Of course. But I'm saying once again, you should listen to prophets and not to people. Listen to those who are immortal. The one who lives forever can teach you to live. While the one who is the same as you are, what will he teach you? A simple example, 
Can a beggar teach you how to be rich? No. And can a rich person teach you how to be rich? He can, if he wants to. Isn't that so? Everything is simple. It's just that the Prophet also said that everyone is a shepherd and everyone is responsible for his flock. Every person, of course. How to understand this? Very simply, every person who loves God knows what love is, and he must share this love with everyone. After all, it is really very sad when you see that someone doesn't know this. When a person feels God's love and understands what kind of a gift it is, it can neither be confused nor compared with anything. Nothing can replace true God's love in a person. It's an internal feeling of paradise. So how is it possible not to share it? And when you see that someone doesn't know it, how, how can you not be responsible for that? How can you not share it? It is certainly impossible to teach the devil to love God. It's impossible to make the dead alive. But when we address the alive one, a warm and not a cold one, we do have a chance. We have a chance to share this love with the one who's not irrevocably dead yet. I mean, a person might stand on the verge, on the verge of life and death, and it is still possible to save him, to pull him out of Satan's paws. Isn't this a good deed? Aren't you responsible? for that. What's the point? It's in service, it's in love. And is there a difference between service and love? A simple question. One originates from the other. When you love, you cannot but serve. Absolutely right. And you cannot serve when you don't love. Yes. Then you pretend, then you will still do everything, to your own advantage, and then you'll be the same kifa. You will engage in simony, and you will do what? Force people to bring you gifts and put them under your feet. Well, you will always have an excuse. After all, the Magi brought gifts to Jesus Christ. Hence, you're obliged to bring gifts to priests, aren't you? Why? And what's the difference? What's the difference, my friends? Is there a difference? No? Why did the infant need those gifts which they brought? They brought them wholeheartedly, simply as a sign of their respect for the One who came into this world. They felt this. They felt Him and came to bow down before Him. And according to their customs, they brought the gifts. A simple question. Unlike those modern kifas who engage in simony, did Jesus Christ actually ask the Magi to do that? Did He really force them to do that? Did He develop entire instructions on how you must do that? Or did He ask anyone for anything during His lifetime? No. And did He force? Yes. To serve God and to love God and to be a human. And that's it. Isn't that so? But what do priests demand nowadays so that we, people, come to priests like the Magi, came to Jesus Christ Himself, bring gifts, 
put them under their feet, kiss their hands and feet, and listen to their instructions, which should supposedly bring us to the spiritual world. Guys, isn't that simony? And don't we thus kill everything humane in those priests by giving them incentives? They actually liken themselves to Jesus Christ, and we support that. So who is sinful in this case? We don't talk about them, it's their choice. It is their life. And they live as they want to, they serve whom they want to. If they want to, they serve God. Or if they want to, they serve Satan. They actually strive for power, for greediness, for insatiability, those who strive for that, forgetting about the true service to God. However, we, people, by listening to them and supporting them, we please Satan. Do we please God? They say, this is pleasing to God. Are they Jesus Christ? Or are they prophets? Do they actually hear God? Of course not. They are merely poor, miserable people who lost their way in this life and got under the power of Satan. And they… they try to impose this infection coming from the very Satan on us as well. They try to turn us into slaves, into Satan's slaves, so that, in order to please Him, we, ourselves, would encourage and support this servility, so that we would be divided. After all, who divides us? Satan. Whom does it do this through? Through us. Isn't that so? We divide ourselves. By listening to whom? Again, to the puppets of Satan himself, who tell us this is pleasing to God. But is it pleasing to God when we are divided? A simple question. For instance, if someone has children, two, three, doesn't matter, do you as a parent want your children to be divided and hate each other? So why do you think that God wants this? However, our aspiration to be chosen, these kifas tell us, since we are with you, you'll get heaven, while the rest won't have it because they don't love Christ, and you do love Him because you bring us gifts. Guys, doesn't this make yourselves laugh? Why are you like little children? Why do you betray the prophets? You betray Christ, you betray God. For the sake of what? Dreams, desires? Vile aspirations to be superior to someone. And do you think it is from God to rise above someone? When Jesus Christ Himself said that all of us should be equal, that we should all love each other, who is higher? Kifas, on the earth, in front of us, between God and us, or Jesus Christ, whom do you serve? Pardon me, but this is true, and this should be pondered over. The most terrible thing done by Pharisees and scribes is that they close the entrance to the Kingdom of Heaven. The most terrible thing done by Pharisees and scribes is that they serve Satan, forgetting about God. And the most terrible thing we do is that we listen to them and indulge them. And indulge them. Are we their victims? No, friends. 
We are not victims of either scribes or Pharisees. We are their accomplices. We are just as guilty as they are. If we don't listen to our prophets, but do what scribes and Pharisees say, we are as responsible as they are. And the same fate awaits us. Isn't that right? And there is no way to blame someone else. For He told me so. Jesus Christ Himself told you. And there are His direct words. The Prophet Himself, the greatest of the Prophets, told you. And we don't listen to these words, do we? We listen to people's words, don't we? No, my friends. The sun shines for everyone. So does God. God loves everyone. But whoever betrays Him is a traitor to God. And here you cannot blame someone else, because you do it by your own choice, and you are responsible for it. If you have said before God, before His face, that you love Him and you are ready to serve Him, serve Him. And you should not retreat. But if you retreat from God, do not mention His name with your mouth, and serve Satan, for you are his slave. Or am I wrong? The truth is always simple, friends. The world is simple. The world is simple and easy. And it must be beautiful. But for it to become beautiful, we must… we must be humans. We must love one another, love our prophets, and all together love our God, for God is one. And all of us are His children. None of us is higher or lower, older or younger. All of us are His children, when we are in His love. And this is great. Yes, Jesus was indifferent to everything earthly and said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Because He was Jesus Christ, He knew, that no matter what you possess in this world, you can… you can possess it for a very short time, and it has no real value, no matter what it is, that the most precious thing is God's love, because it's the only thing that leads to life, nothing else. What is the elixir of immortality? A simple question. The real elixir of true immortality. Love that gives life. Absolutely right. Well, everything else is just… well, was in this world. It is merely a reflection that can prolong your existence here, merely prolong the agony but it will not give you a real life. And it will be all temporary here anyway, because this whole world is temporary. It is temporary and illusory. Igor Mikhailovich, you've just said so profoundly about life, about the value of this life, that love is precisely the elixir of immortality, which gives life. And indeed, in all religions, it is said about the value of life. Everywhere there is a commandment, do not murder. In Buddhism, in Christianity, the commandment do not murder in Christianity includes not only physical harm to a human, but also hatred and malice against a human. Of course. 
For it is said that everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. How should this be understood? There is nothing more valuable than human life. And all the prophets told about the highest value — human life. When we forget this, we cease to be humans. We value anything but human life. Isn't that so? If we listened to our prophets, we would have been in the ideal society long ago, and we would have been one beautiful civilization by now, at least at the third level. But we are where we are, unfortunately. Life is not what was yesterday, life is what is now and what will be tomorrow. You cannot treat life in terms of yesterday. Life is now. This moment is precisely life. And it is here that you have to take responsibility. It is here that you have to make a choice and where you have to multiply love. Not to cling on to the dead and the past, but to build today, just right now, that which tomorrow will become our present, to build the world we want to live in. And we can't do that. It's not hard. There is nothing more valuable than human life, and there cannot be. And those who do not value human life, they cannot be humans. This is also true. There are wonderful words in the Qur'an that whoever saves the life of a person is as if he has saved the life of the whole of humankind. Of course. So there is such interconnection. And if you take a person's life, you take it from everyone. Humanity is a kind of unit, no matter whether it is one person or all of humanity. This is extremely important. And yet, if we consider ourselves human beings, if we consider ourselves a civilization, then we have to do everything to fulfill those dreams, the dreams of our prophets, which lead us, surprisingly enough, precisely to building the creative society and then the ideal society. This is what God wants from us. After all, as parents, we all want our children to be, first of all, human beings, to be good people, to love us and to respect us, right? It's embedded in us. So does God. God wants only one thing. He wants us to be humans and to stay alive. And this is possible again only if we follow what our prophets talked about. After all, the responsibility lies with every person. For in that very Qur'an it is said that Allah offered mountains, heavens and the earth to take responsibility. However, they didn't take it. And only a human himself agreed to bear the responsibility. A human? Yes. A human is the only being who is not just spiritualized, but also soul-filled. And only a human can be responsible before God, because only a human 
can live forever and become a part of the spiritual world. And we should not forget this. This is what our Prophets told us. You see, it's very simple, indeed simple, to be faithful to our Prophets, to build a beautiful world, and to stop keeping each other apart. A simple example. We are united. When we are in holy places, aren't we? We are united. Are we divided? No, because we don't care about anyone or anything. We stop being separated by some ideologies, stop looking at each other in terms of appearance. No. In holy places, we think about God, right? We think about the Eternal. So why do we, after leaving holy places, become slaves of shaitan again? A simple question. After all, we are all united there. So we must be united always and everywhere. And stop dividing, stop serving the scribes and Pharisees and start serving our Prophets and our God. We have one God. Yes, the Prophets in religions are different, but let's recall the last of the Prophets, the greatest of the Prophets. Didn't He call Christians Muslims? He did. Didn't he? Believers. Yes, because they served one God, and he called them Muslims. So what prevents us from being the same as our prophets, being faithful to our God, and faithful to and loving one another? Nothing. Isn't that right? And it is worth pondering. And we shouldn't blame scribes and Pharisees. By the way, for those who don't know, Jesus Christ called priests scribes and politicians Pharisees, because it was such a political party. Look, several thousand years have passed, but nothing has changed. Do you know why? Because we haven't changed. Because we were in slavery to Satan, and we still are. Maybe it's enough. Remember one thing, friends, now we have a chance, while the spiritual world is helping all of us. But this is the last help. Don't doubt that this is the last. All your Prophets have talked about this, about our times in which we have the honour to live. Yes, we have the honour, because we can make their dream come true. So, as long as the spiritual world is helping us, we must take a step towards building the creative society and making the dream of our Prophets a reality, if we are humans, if we are really believers, and if we truly love our God. And we must stop dividing among ourselves, stop serving people and mundane interests of certain small groups, We must remember one thing, there is no one higher than our God. And His messengers, our Prophets, wanted one thing. So we should take an example exactly from our Prophets and listen only to them and not to people.
And if we don't take that step towards each other, then shaitan will take that step and he will checkmate the whole humanity. Let me put it this way, a sick man can be cured and can be saved, but a dead man cannot be saved. We can only sympathize with him. So as long as the spiritual world is helping us to recover and to be cured, we must help it and do everything possible in order to prevent the spiritual world from sympathizing with us as humankind when recalling us. Let's simply do what the Prophets bequeathed, love one another, really love one another, stop serving shaitan and start serving our Lord God and honor our Prophets and listen to them. This is simple. And let's start with the simple thing. Let's simply respect and love each other. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, friends. Everything is really simple. We can build a creative society, but all together it doesn't contradict any of our religions, because all religions are streams from one source. And all of us who love God are droplets of these common waters. Thank you, friends.